started, I wanted to mention that we do have a, a, a church app, and we have a lot of stuff on that from uh, a directory to a calendar, which is not a lot of use for anybody right at the moment, but could be eventually. Uh, we also have uh, sermon notes, and so if you would like to download our app in order to get the sermon notes that you can follow along with, uh, all you've got to do is text the word APP, A-P-P, to this number, 804-403-8131. Again, that's 804-403-8131. It's sort of uh, interesting. I had a friend when I was in college, and he told me this story that... Uh, I probably wouldn't have believed unless I actually eventually met the person he was talking about. But it was a story that happened very early on in, in one semester. And it was a situation where all of the fraternity and sorority pledging had happened and the new freshman pledges had moved, were moving into their respective uh, fraternity or sorority houses. And uh, one day, an upperclassman came into this particular fraternity house and uh, he was carrying a bunch of stuff, and he saw that there was one of the new freshman pledges that he didn't really know well at all at that point. But he was sitting there on the couch watching television, and uh, he had this stuff that was apparently somewhat valuable, and so he, he puts it down on a table in the living room, and he says, hey, could you keep your eye on this for me? I've got to run up to my room and uh, get something else. So uh, the pledge said, sure, that he would do that. And um, the uh, upperclassman goes on upstairs and does whatever he's doing. And uh, you can sort of imagine his surprise when he came back and found an artificial eye staring at him from atop his pile of papers. That's taking keep your eye on it uh, quite literally. Now the author of Hebrews says something very similar to what this upperclassman said. He says it to us in regards to Jesus. And he doesn't expect us to take it quite so literally, but I think we would do well to take it seriously. And in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, uh, in the message translation, he begins by telling us to keep our eyes on Jesus. So let's read through this entire text, uh, which is Hebrews 12, 1 through 7, and see what we can find out about why the author instructs us to do that. Uh, but before we do, let's pray. So Father, I just thank you for uh, this message that you've given me. I thank you for all of the uh, individuals who are watching. I just pray that this message will speak to them, that you would touch them in some way, and in doing so would give them faith and hope and a trust in you, that no matter what is going on in their lives, they have someone that they can turn to. So I just thank, thank you and ask this all now, in Jesus' name, amen. So, starting with Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, 
the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against him, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. And have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. And it is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom this father does not discipline? So the question that I want us to consider today as we read through this is this one. If we are to always um, keep our eye on Jesus, then what is it that we could expect to learn by doing so? And I think uh, to start with, the first thing that we can learn is that we learn to finish what we started. Now this verse, uh, verse 1 in this case, reminds us that we're not the first to struggle with problems, with persecution, with discouragement, or even failure. And in fact, we are not even the first to have to deal with a pandemic. And in the previous chapter of Hebrews, chapter 11, there are dozens of examples of others who have run the race and crossed the finish line successfully. And I'm sure you can probably think of people in your own life perhaps your parents or your grandparents or a good friend, that have led or are leading faithful lives even in the midst of hardship. People familiar with our church know the stories of two amazing women of faith who ran their races with excellence and defined, at least for me, the concept of finishing well. This metaphor of a foot race run with endurance clearly describes a marathon, a test of stamina and commitment. If you, uh, if you run or jog for exercise, then you'll understand why running provides such an appropriate uh, example and definition of how faith tends to work in all of us. Sometimes running can be a joy. On that particular day, you feel good and nothing hurts. It's a warm day outside. And you just kind of believe like you could run forever. And sometimes running is just a drudgery. It takes everything you have just to make yourself go outside and to somehow run the distance that you told yourself you were going to run. And all along the way, you've got to stop yourself uh, from talking yourself out of, of, of completing it. It's the same thing with faith. Sometimes it's easy and sometimes it's difficult. But listen, running with endurance is simply putting one foot in front of the other and then doing that again and again and again. It doesn't have to be fast. It doesn't have to look good. You just have to keep moving. Think of Jesus the night before he was killed. He's praying to God, his father. He says, Dad, I don't want to do this. But if it's what you want me to do, okay, 
then I'll just keep on putting one foot in front of the other. It's okay to feel like giving up. That's perfectly normal. But the trick is to not give in to those feelings. <clears throat> you too can finish what you started and finish well. Just keep moving forward. Secondly, I think we learn that whatever it is that we're going through, we can endure it. As I just mentioned, Jesus endured great suffering to finish his race. He was ridiculed, whipped, beaten, spit upon, and ultimately crucified. One of the most horrible deaths imaginable. Even so, he did not give in to fatigue, to discouragement, or to despair. And not only did he endure everything that his persecutors did to him, he actually was able to forgive them while he hung on the cross. During these difficult times, we can remember how Jesus endured and what he endured. And his endurance can inspire us. Jesus' suffering surpassed anything that we humans might face now or in the future. And even when we are facing hardship or discouragement, we can't lose sight of the big picture. We're not alone. Jesus is there with us. And he's been through far worse than anything that we're going through. Many people have endured far more difficult circumstances than we have experienced or will experience. In our 21st century experience or existence, it's pretty safe to say that none of us is going to have to endure anything close to what Jesus endured in the 24 hours that preceded his death. Or even what some believers today are having to endure in countries that are hostile to the message of faith in Jesus. Just as Jesus endured and just as these foreign believers endure, so should you endure. When our lives get hard, we fix our eyes upon him. And then thirdly, we learn the importance of accepting discipline. Jesus modeled this when he was only 12 years old. There's a story in Luke's Gospel about, uh, that's told of Jesus and his parents traveling to Jerusalem for the Passover feast. And they had been to the feast, and now they were on their way home. And they had sort of lost track of where Jesus was, but knew they figured, well, he's with family or friends or somewhere in the crowd that was walking along the road back to Jerusalem, or back to uh, Nazareth. And so uh, evening comes, and uh, they still can't find him. They still don't know where he is. <clears throat> so they look all through all of the, the group that was with him and uh, didn't see him. So eventually they decided they'd better go back to Jerusalem to see if they could find him there. And after searching for three days, they find him in the temple. And basically he's participating in a uh, Bible study with a group of Jewish rabbis. And young Jesus was more than holding his own with them these learned men, and Jesus is asking them questions and answering their questions, and uh, it was probably something pretty amazing to all those who were, who were there seeing it. However, as you might imagine, his mom and dad were not so impressed, and uh, his mom scolded him for going off on his own. And with typical preteen logic, uh, Jesus explains what he was doing like it should be perfectly obvious to them. Um, but the important thing is he didn't argue. He didn't talk back. 
he just went back with them to Nazareth and he lived obediently with them from that point on. Discipline is never fun, especially when it's coming from God. But it is far easier to accept that discipline when we understand the type of love that is behind that correction. You see, the truly outstanding parents are the ones who discipline their children out of love, not because they're angry with them. Too many people believe the lie that God is angry with them. God is emphatically not angry with you. In fact, he loves you in a way that no human can possibly love you. And when we feel his correction, we can more easily accept it because we remember that it comes not out of anger or displeasure, but out of his unconditional love and concern for us. <clears throat> I'd like to close with another story. <clears throat> By 7 o'clock on uh, October the 20th, 1968, at Mexico City Olympic Stadium, it was starting to get dark and the temperature was starting to go down. And uh, it had been an hour at this point since an Ethiopian man had blazed across the finish line and won the gold medal in the uh, 1968 Olympic marathon, which is a race, if you're not familiar with it, that's just a hair over 26 miles. And so as the last few thousand spectators were preparing to leave, they heard these police sirens and whistles coming uh, from the entrance to the stadium. And so everybody, you know, kind of turns their attention. And all of a sudden, this sole figure comes limping through, wearing the colors of Tanzania. His name was John Stephen Aquari. He was the last man to finish the marathon in 1968. His leg was bandaged and bloody because he had fallen uh, very early on in the race. And now it was all he could do to limp around the track. <clears throat> the crowd stood and applauded him, just like that great cloud of witnesses we talked about at the very beginning. The crowd stood and applauded him as he completed that very last lap. When he finally crossed the finish line, one man was brave enough to ask the question that everybody in the stadium and everyone who was watching wanted to ask. You, you are so badly injured. Why didn't you quit? Why did you keep going? Aquari, with quiet dignity, said, My country did not send me 5,000 miles to start the race. My country sent me 5,000 miles to finish the race. And so it is with God. <clears throat> God desires more from you than just starting the journey of faith. And if you haven't started the journey of faith, I strongly encourage you, uh, make that decision today. But if you have started it, he desires that we not only start it, but all finish it as well. And we do that by fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross scorning its shame, and is now seated at the right hand of the throne of God. We do it 
by becoming cross-eyed. Let's pray. Father, I give you thanks that you love us so much that your desire is for us to finish well. I pray now that for everyone who is watching or participating in this broadcast, that they would simply feel your presence with them. That it would stir in them a hope and a faith and a desire to finish well. Bless them, Lord God. Bless all of us as we continue to run this race. We lift our prayers now to each and every person across this nation who is dealing with this virus, who has in some way been impacted by it. I pray specifically for all of the medical workers, all of the emergency personnel, the doctors and the nurses and the technicians who are doing so much. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for all of the, the amazing acts of kindness that we're hearing about. Everything from police officers delivering a birthday gift to a young guy on his fourth birthday, to parades being held for an elderly man who can't go outside or leave his house to celebrate his birthday. Father, there are so, so many more, and we just praise you for that. I ask you now just to bless all of these, your people. Keep them strong, keep them safe, keep them healthy until we have the chance to uh, be together again. So I just give you thanks and praise. I give you honor and glory. And I lift all of this to you now. In Jesus' name, amen. And now Pastor Chip is going to come back and close our service. Wow, what an amazing, amazing message, a timely message. We got to run that race. And I love that Jesus is the author and the finisher. So I don't know what you got out of this today. I, I would assume that everybody got something a little different because that's how Holy Spirit tends to work. But Jesus is the author and the finisher. So if your story's still going, he's not finished writing it. So I, I want to encourage you. And, and just echo what Pastor Jeff said this morning, that there is hope, that things are, are, are going to get better, and there's kindness, and we do have to become cross-eyed, as he said. Let's fix our gaze on Jesus during this time. Let's fix our eyes on him. Not on, now I'm not saying don't watch the news, but not on the news, not on all the bad, not on all the negative, but on the good news, on the positive that we know that Jesus Christ is king. I want to just take a moment, and I want you to bow your head. Wherever you're at, if you're in, a, in your house with your family, maybe grab their hand. If you're with friends, stand six feet apart. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, and let's just invite the Spirit of God to come. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. It's all about you, Lord.
I'm just going to pray out things I feel the Lord speaking to me. I, I feel led to pray for financial situations. Lord, you know the budget. You know the bank account. You know the issues. Father, we pray that you would supernaturally meet financial needs, God that you would meet needs of people who don't know where their next paycheck's coming from, don't know where their next meal's coming from, don't know where their next, their, 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 their next anything is coming from. God, we pray that you would meet those needs, Lord. Father, I pray against any spirit of fear that might grip people any spirit of fear that might be attacking and saying, this is it, it's over for you, it's never going back to normal, you're going to get this disease, you're going to... I just, I lift up to you right now, Lord Jesus, those people who are struggling with anxiety and depression and fear and, 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 and that it's been multiplied by this situation, Lord. In Jesus' name, we break that and we ask that the Spirit of God would overshadow you so you would be able to think clearly and hear His voice. Our God is so worthy. Our God is so good. Thank you, Lord. And as Pastor Jeff said, if you haven't begun that journey of faith yet, if you haven't ever put your trust in Jesus, I want to invite you to do that now. I want to invite you to just, just give it to him. I mean, we can look at how things are going in the world. We can look at how things have gone in our lives. What if we took this crisis and this tragedy and this time to let Jesus write a new chapter in our story, to let Jesus write a new chapter in, in our salvation story? So this morning, I encourage you, wherever you're at, maybe you've never accepted Jesus. Maybe you have and you've walked away from him. Maybe you don't even know why or, why or how you're watching this, but God has taken this moment to get your attention. Yes, you. And he's saying to you, come home, come home. Come to my rest. Come to my peace. So if that's you, I'm going to pray this prayer, and I want you to just repeat it after me. There's nothing magical about it. There's nothing special about the prayer. I'm just giving you something to kind of go off of. All you really have to do is just ask him into your life. He'll clean you up. He'll take care of you. Just say, Father, I'm a sinner. I'm sorry. I accept Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. I believe he died on the cross for me, and I believe he rose from the dead. Be the Lord of my life. In Jesus' name. If you prayed that, we're so excited for you. Send us a message on Facebook. Post in the comments. We want to reach out to you. We want to just encourage you. We're so grateful for you tuning in today. We're so grateful for you watching. We hope you have a wonderful week. We'll have some things for you this week, so tune into the Harmony Vineyard Facebook page. God bless you. We love you. Amen.